Hey, this is the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, and this is episode number 17. Welcome to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, where we serve up fresh slices of today's marketing so you can start working on your business and stop working in your business. And now, your host, Bruce Irving. Hey, welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. This is episode number 17, and today I have on a repeat guest, our first repeat guest we've ever had on. Um, I have Samir Shah from Smart Flower Foods, and uh, Smart Flower Foods recently did a study along with Jason Dorsey in the Center for Generational Kinetics. That's a mouthful there. Um, and you know, this is an interesting study. This is an uh, interesting study about pizza consumers and how they look at pizzas in the different age, age ranges of pizza consumers. So, uh, we talk about the report. We don't discuss the whole report in detail. We kind of outline it in this podcast, but you can go back and download the report with the links below in the show notes. So you can go and, uh, download this full report, see all of it for yourself. But, you know, in the report we go over, you know, who is a real pizza lover, we talk about millennials. This is a big part of the report is millennials. Um, you know, what is a millennial? What age range and why you need to focus on those in your marketing efforts and in your uh, employment efforts. You know, why they, why Smart Flower Foods decided to conduct this report. How do millennials shop and consume data? You know, why millennials are purchasing like like baby boomers and what how that concerns you. Um, also why you need to focus on being more, a little bit more personal and not so much organizational like you know be be personable to people don't make it so structured you know one-on-one marketing is important all right so that's the basic stuff what's in this episode hope you enjoy it well, let's get on with the show Hey, everybody. Welcome to Smart Pizza Marketing. Uh, today, I have on with me Samir from Smart Flower Foods, who recently just did an interesting study with Jason Dorsey in the Center for Generational Kinetics. And Samir, why don't you tell us a little bit about your company, Smart Flower Foods, and the study that you guys recently did, why you did it, and you know what findings did you guys come up with? Sure, Bruce. Thanks for the opportunity to uh, talk today. Uh, you know, the best way I can describe Smart Flower Foods is to tell you our mission statement, which is we believe that everyone should love what they eat, and our passion is creating great-tasting, gluten-free foods through the power of ancient grains. So we've developed a proprietary blend of the ancient grains, sorghum, emerinth, and teff, and we use that to create pizza crust, frozen pizzas, hamburger buns, pancake and waffle mix, and we sell those to a variety of uh, customers, both restaurants and then also uh, in grocery stores. With regards to this study, uh, we're very interested in understanding our customer base better. And up to now, we had relied on industry reporting and general statistics, but we wanted to reach out directly. And this is probably our first foray, uh, certainly not our last, of trying to better understand the industry, our customers. And this study in particular was focused on what we call pizza lovers. And we define that as folks that purchase a frozen pizza once a month, and that's an and, not an or, uh, eat pizza out once a month. So of all the people that we reached out to, and the Center for Generational Kinetics is uh, experts in research, so they made sure that uh, the research was statistically relevant and et cetera. And so in their process, um, it turned out that 1,004 people around the country fit that criteria and opted into uh, the study. 
And how did they reach out to the? How would how did they search for those people? Just through. They have a process, uh, market research process, by which they use U.S. Census data. So they're just really looking at all over the country, not um, skewed by region or demographic or age. Um, all adults, so 18 and over. But other than that, not skewed to any particular demographic. Okay. And uh, so, what did the report mostly find that you guys were most curious about? Well, there were a couple of things, but first of all, the Center for Generational Kinetics and the head of that organization, Jason Dorsey, who's been all over the news, was recently, about two weeks ago, in a big article about millennials in the New York Times. He's been on 60 Minutes. He's been on the Today Show. Anyway, Jason is an expert on uh, the millennial. All right, let me, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. What is a millennial, just in case anybody doesn't know that? That's a great question. Um, And so millennials are defined as anyone that is born from 1977 to 1995. You'll see some studies that say, or some organizations that define it as 1980, but Jason and his team uh, go back to 1977. And you also hear the term Gen Y, and Gen Y millennials are the same thing, synonymous. And, you know, as kind of a kind of a tie-in to that, Jason's um, title is the Gen Y guy because right. he's an expert in this particular uh, demographic. So great question. And so what Jason shared with us sort of at the outset of the study and related to the what we found uh, are a few, few points that are important about millennials that go beyond just pizza. And I think the first one of those is that millennials communicate and shop differently than uh, baby boomers or the generation that's even younger than they are. So they have an increased reliance on things like social media uh, and technology mobile technology in particular. Um, millennials make, the second point here is millennials make selections and they purchase differently. Um, so they don't necessarily carry cash. Um, they may uh, use digital coupons, etc. I think that's a great uh, finding there is that they don't do the traditional uh, millennials, which is a growing, you know, they're going to get more and more part of the marketplace than less. You know, the the people who are, and you can go to the report, uh, describes exactly, you know, what the generations are and the years and dates and all that. So if you want to go read the report, everything is defined in that. But the, the millennials are going to be the growing majority of consumers. So this is really who you want to be targeting in the for the next five to 10 years. Right. And I think that's an important point, which is that millennials uh, have, in terms of numbers, surpassed uh, baby boomers, I believe, and they will surpass them in purchasing power within the next uh, 18 months. So right. they're generally they're uh, generally now regarded as being the big demographic in terms of spend. And, and as they have children and they start families, it's going to be um, you know ever increasing. And that brings me to another point that they that they told us about, which is that millennials are delaying the traditional what we call markers or milestones of adulthood until later in life. So. They're buying houses later. They're establishing families later. Um, and all of that has an impact on both their retail, shopping, and restaurant um, decisions. And the last big thing that came out of here was that, and this is, again, just the not this isn't entirely specific just to the pizza study, but speaking about millennials in general, um, they are very connected with social media and technology, but that does not necessarily mean that they're the best informed. It just means that they're relying on technology to get this information and then, of course, the validity or um, truth of that information is going to be subject to the same 
questions that any source of information uh, would be. So you can't assume that they're better, more accurately informed. They're just using technology more. So they they're the twi- think of them as reading a Twitter. They might have the 140 characters, but they don't read the whole article. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Or they could be getting information on Twitter from sources that are suspect. You know. Right. That seems to be happening a lot uh, lately. What I what I thought was interesting from the report was that they don't have any brand loyalty. They're not loyal to anybody. They're pretty up for grabs. Yeah, and well, and I think the, and the point that Jason makes is that they're they have the least established brand loyalty. So that's not to say that they don't develop loyalty. They will. They're just slower to do it, and they really need to have that connection before they're going to say I'm loyal to this brand. And then they don't like companies they consider to be corporate. There's a natural halo for them around things that are local. Um, so, you know, it's bad news potentially for um, a McDonald's or a Chili's, but potentially good news for smaller brands. At the same time, you see the larger brands um, also spinning off or acquiring smaller brands as a way to target that market. I think this is a great finding for the small guy because the small guy can make it personal where he can send out an email to all his customers from his personal account, whereas a big company can't do that. Yeah, and they can provide a level of service, and then you start getting into, you know, as you get into the study itself, there's a big emphasis on natural ingredients right now. Well, a local uh, pizzeria might have the opportunity to say, we source all of our pork locally, or all of our vegetables are grown or purchased from this farmer's market right down the street, and that can be something that will really resonate with the millennial generation. Right. So uh, what was the next point that you guys found on this report? So, and again, this is kind of just the general setting the stage stuff, but um, millennials are most likely to tell their friends, so they're they're big in that whole sharing social media aspect, um, and we'll talk a little bit about how that relates to pizza um, in a minute. And then the other thing that, and I think this is sort of important that Jason talks about, is that millennials have become a leading indicator. So, you know, it's kind of like they may have been on Twitter or Facebook first, but that doesn't mean that other older generations behind them aren't going to get there. It just means that the millennials are going to do it first. So you can kind of look to them as, hey, that's where the trend uh, is heading. So now that a lot of the older folks are catching up to Facebook, it seems that now the Gen Y or millennials are gravitating towards uh, other media, you know, whether that's you know other social platforms or other ways of, of communicating. Snapchat or something like that. Exactly. Um, that's interesting. I didn't. Uh, I didn't really think of it that. I've never really thought of it that way as to that generation would be kind of leading the pack. Yeah, because if you think about it, I mean, I don't know about you, but my Facebook feed is. Uh, filled with a lot of people in my generation, which is Gen X, uh, but also the parents of a lot of uh, my Gen X uh, cohorts, and they're you know sharing and talking about uh, products and brands and things that they preferences that they have. So it, in that sense, they're behaving the same way that maybe a millennial did two or three years ago. Right. So no. they're there. They just got there a little bit later. Maybe they were more hesitant or they needed it to be a little bit easier, more widely accepted before they felt comfortable. Right. No, I, I am a millennial, so I am in that category. So but oh. this, this kind of uh, – I was born in 1979, so uh, this kind of – I'm barely in that category. But it really kind of describes me, and it definitely describes uh, – you know, any younger family members that I have who are, you know, late teenagers to their early 20s, it, it totally describes them to a T. 
I think, yeah, it's a good point. A lot of the stuff in here about the millennials definitely fit in line with what my perception was. Now, another thing was the gluten-free. Like, that's a, a growing, uh, a gluten t- intolerance, I should say, um, has been growing for the last few years. You know, five years ago was not very well known, and now it seems like it's everywhere. Yes, and, you know, with regards to gluten-free, what we found in the study was that um, – 38% of millennials said that gluten-free was important uh, versus 26% uh, for ages 35 and over. And that's um, that's regarding selecting a frozen pizza. Um, but it also carries over into the restaurant space because, you know, while 33% of pizza lovers said that gluten-free was important when going out for a pizza, 37% of millennials said the same. So you're seeing that... Um, you're seeing that there's a difference there uh, between the between the two, and that 33 is an average. But if you look at millennials being 37, um, the folks over 35 are actually 24%. So that's even a bigger divide between millennials and um, the folks that are older than they are. Right. So millennials think of, I mean, yeah, millennials think of the gluten-free more in uh, not so much terms of an allergy, but more of a healthier way of eating. Correct. Correct. So, there's that. Yeah, it's, it, there's that tie-in uh, where it may not necessarily be for um, allergy reasons, but it uh, it's just something that they feel is important. And do you think that trend is going to continue? I do because I think as we see as time goes on, there are more studies. There was one that came out just a few months ago in March. We may have discussed it the last time I was on, but I think it was done by the National Institutes of Health, but. Uh, it validated that non-celiac gluten intolerance is real, and that validated what a lot of people have been saying for a long time. So I think as science continues to point that gluten may be an issue for some people, and now that may not necessarily mean that they give it up altogether, yep. but it may mean that if there's a good gluten-free alternative, they're going to gravitate in that direction. I kind of find myself being in that in that camp, which is to say that I find that I feel a little bit lighter, a little bit better when I eat less gluten, so um, I'm not going to cut it out entirely by any stretch, but I would definitely gravitate towards gluten-free options when I can. I agree. You know, it does make you feel a little bit better. And it it does, it just makes you more aware of reading the ingredients on the label, like the report says. You know, it doesn't, it makes you, hey, I'm, before I just order something, I'm going to ask what it's made of. Or before I purchase something, I'm going to read the label and make sure that I can actually read all the ingredients that are on there. Exactly. Yeah, and I think... You know, a lot of studies have indicated uh, that, and ours looked at it a little bit differently in terms of what's important, but, um, you know, calories is important to 64% of millennials versus 49% of non. Fat grams, 61 for millennials, 50% of non. So to your point, um, there's a few other factors here too, but to your point, millennials are more likely to look at a label and be concerned about what the ingredient is and avoid certain ingredients in particular than uh, other generations are, especially those that are older than they are. Right. So what would be, if you, uh, after someone reads this report, what would, or after you read the report, what was your number one takeaway that you got out of it? Well, you know, it's hard to point to just number one. I mean, one of the most fundamental things that jumped out at me was that 63% of the people that fit into this category of buying frozen pizza and eating pizza out once a month are women. And that was a big surprise to me simply because you think of pizza as being this kind of, you know, fraternity, bachelor kind of a thing, but in reality, 
there are a lot of women. And in addition to that, a big chunk, um, I think it was, I want to say it was 68% of all the pizza lovers in the study exercise more than two times a week. So as industry is looking to market to this, uh, to the folks that are really interested in pizza, the demographic is different than what they may have expected. So I think that's a big takeaway. Another big takeaway here that goes back to millennials is that millennials are much more likely to share pizza on social media and uh, by extension, they're more likely to find product information and also look for uh, discounts or offers uh, on social media and online. So I think it's important, even if you're a small uh, pizzeria all the way up to a big one, that you have that online social presence and you're constantly communicating with your customers. Uh, one thing I found, not particularly covered in the study, but I found success with myself and seen a lot of other people do is if you have a customer service complaint, you can address that on Twitter. And a lot of times you're going to get a faster response on Twitter, certainly than waiting on hold for an hour and uh, oftentimes faster than even sending an email. So I think that's another big takeaway here for, for uh, pizza restaurants is to say, we need to make sure that we have um, a proper or at least a, a baseline social media presence. Yeah, you, um, I always talk to, when I talk to, you know, smaller business owners, I say, listen, you don't have to be on every social media network because you like to be there, but you need to be there because some of your customers like to be there. So you need to be where they want to communicate with you. It's not necessarily how you want to communicate with them. It's how they would like to communicate with you. And I think exactly. that's a, a yeah, big mistake exactly. that, that people make this is business owners say, hey, you know, I'm going to be on Facebook because I like Facebook. But your customers might like Instagram better and they might like posting, seeing photos of your stuff more than they like going on Facebook. So you really have to be where they want to communicate, not necessarily what you want to do. What you want to do. Yeah. And I think that's, that's very true. Another big takeaway here was that 77% of the pizza lovers across the board, now this is not just millennials, said that natural ingredients are important to them when uh, selecting a frozen pizza. And I would have to believe that that also carries over to the, um, restaurant side as well. So again, to the extent that an organization can talk about natural ingredients, um, I think that can be a huge, uh, huge driver for them. Yeah, I think that's, uh, and you could see that trend, you know, coming along the pike is that they are more curious as to what's in it. They really do want to know the ingredients. They ask more questions. And if you can provide the questions that customers continue to ask you ahead of time, it just makes your job a little bit easier. So if you can communicate what's in your pizza, you know, how do you make it be upfront and honest with them? I think that the millennials, which is the next generation, appreciate that a little bit more than it needed to be done 10 years ago. Agreed. Definitely. Um, so this is a great report. So where can they, I know we're coming up on 20 minutes here. So we're going to wrap it up soon. Um, where can they find this report so they can download it or read it? I'll have it a link so the, on the website, uh, but you want to give us your website or wherever they can find it. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got uh, an executive summary as well as two infographics on uh, the Smart Flower Foods website, and the exact page is smartflowerfoods.com slash research. And if um, anybody takes a look at the executive summary and is interested in getting the full report, just send an email to info, that's I-N-F-O, at smartflowerfoods.com, and we will shoot you over a copy. Should they put any subject line or header in that? Yeah, if they can put, um, you know, research study or pizza study, that'll help uh, 
help us identify it quickly. Okay. All right. Uh, Samir, where can they find you guys on Facebook or Twitter and all that good stuff? Absolutely. So we're at facebook.com slash smartflowerfoods. Our Twitter handle is smartflowerfoods. And on Instagram, we are also smartflowerfoods. Excellent. So you guys are everywhere too. We're trying to be. We found uh, that we can have daily conversations with our customers on social media. Um, and there'd be no way to do that um, in person. So it's, it's a great way to keep the dialogue going and uh, hear from our customers as well as share information with them. All right. I appreciate it, Samir. That's a great report. Excellent uh, job. Well done on that. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate it. Great job on the podcast. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Well, I just want to say thanks again to Samir from Smart Flower Foods for coming on this episode Um, That's a great report, and to download that full report, just head over to smartpizzamarketing.com slash episode 17. Um, That's this episode with Samir. You can download the full report. Um, I'll have photos. uh, uh, Smart Flower Foods came up with a nice infograph of the whole report broken down into the basic points, so you can look at that infograph as well. Um, And also check out smartflowerfoods.com and all their links to Facebook and Twitter and all that good stuff. Uh, Real quick, if you could give us a quick review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, that would really help the show out. Please head over to iTunes. There's a link in the show back, smartpizzamarketing.com slash episode 17 to get over there. And if you have any questions, always feel free to email me, bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. And we will see you on the next episode, number 18, coming up Friday. Thanks, guys. Actually, coming out Monday. Sorry. Thanks, guys. See ya.